Welcome to Dan Perkins' podcast called What's On My Mind. Dan is a national syndicated radio and TV talk show host, a current events commentator who writes for 20 news blogs. He is also a registered investment advisor with over 50 years of managing money and is the author of seven books. So let's look into Dan's mind and see what he's thinking about today. Always provocative and thought-provoking on many different subjects, here's Dan Perkins. This is Dan Perkins, and thank you for joining me today on What's on My Mind. So let's see what's on my mind. Fear and Intimidation, a Source of Power by Dan Perkins. What do you call it when you tell someone you want to put a flag up for the 4th of July and they say, don't you know that the protesters are going through the neighborhoods looking for houses with flags to burn them down? Or what do you call it when someone says you're thinking about buying a mega hat? Are you crazy? If you wear it, people will be in your face. What if the leader of the Black Lives Movement says, if we don't get our way, we'll burn it down? These three examples are real first-hand examples of fear and intimidation that are used now to convince the American people to change their behavior. It may not change what they believe, but more importantly for the radicals left, it is to change the behavior first, for now, and then for the long term, change beliefs. Fear and intimidation are the rules of the day. We know that over 2,000 cities in America had protests over the last six weeks. The question is, were all the protests about the killing of Mr. Floyd in Minneapolis? Were there other issues unrelated to Mr. Floyd that were being used to create fear and intimidation, allowing the protesters to do what other people wanted? I find it difficult to believe that the destruction of black-owned businesses was in response to Mr. Floyd's murder. Looters breaking into car dealerships and stealing 70 cars is a strange way to remember Mr. Floyd's murder. What about the looters who broke into the Antique Car Museum in Orlando and stole 18 classic cars? How was that an action to create something in memory of Mr. Floyd's death? Occupying six city blocks in downtown Seattle and creating a new nation called CHOP was nothing less than equivalent of European Muslims' no-go zones, where police and other government agencies are prohibited from entering. In Seattle, city government personnel, including police, were not permitted to cross the barriers. It didn't take long for the occupiers to turn on the residents and start shooting and killing them, as well as each other. Ironically, people inside the barriers were complaining about the poor response time from the police. By the way, speaking of police, what happens to law-abiding citizen who hears the rhetoric of defunding the police? Do they feel safe where they live, not knowing if they have a problem? Who will respond, if anybody? Some weeks ago, I wrote a commentary raising the possibility that tens of thousands of people who went to the protest in over 2,000 cities could possibly contaminate many more people with the Corona-19 virus. I said in the commentary we will know by the end of the month whether or not the CDC guidelines are worthless or not. Yes, we will know whether or not tens of thousands of people who went to those protests all over the country have redistributed the virus to thousands of more other people because of the social distancing, no masks, and other guidelines from the CDC that weren't being followed. To make my point, go to danperkins.guru and look for this story, and then you'll find a chart from the CDC that shows the number of cases through the end of June 2020. Please take note the spike in cases beginning in mid-June. You can see from that chart a progressively lower trend until the protesters' effect showed up 
in many cases. Over the last two weeks, we've seen this reversal and the reversal of progress we've been making against the virus. In fact, many states who had reopened their economies are now rethinking the lack of progress caused by the spike in COVID-19 cases. I raise the question that when the people, many of whom were protesters, went back to their hometowns and were diagnosed with the virus as to whether or not they would submit to the government program of contact tracing. So far, I have not seen any statistics that showed whether any of those riot participants were ever traced. If, in fact, at some point we are able to positively state that the protesters and their abandonment of the CDC principles, mask, social distancing, etc., accelerated the pandemic and in turn killed people, then they should be prosecuted for involuntary manslaughter. Lastly, I want to introduce the subject of historic statues and why they're being torn down. I plan to do a podcast in more detail on this subject, but I believe rather than the public mandate, we just have a few loud voices who are responsible for convincing local officials to allow the destruction of historical monuments all over the nation. Nothing is more true, an example of fear and intimidation, than the pressure placed on people to destroy visual images of our past. The New York City Museum of Natural History Board decided to take down the statue of Teddy Roosevelt that had been there for 80 years. Why? One saying that goes lost in the whole debacle is that the small minority people are trying to influence the majority through fear and intimidation. I don't think we would find a poll of black people support the looting and destruction of black-owned businesses. I don't think we'll find the majority of black people in support of occupation downtown Seattle. And lastly, I don't think we'll find the majority of black people being in favor of total elimination of police departments. I want to make it perfectly clear that I believe the majority of whites and other minorities would answer the questions the same way as the black community. There is one simple way for us to take our country back. It is stand up and say, enough. This is Dan Perkins. What's on my mind?